Hear these words from the first book of Timothy. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior, in Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When I was... um, Contemplating what I was going to do this summer down the hall in New Heights, uh, I came upon um, the greatest children's Bible stories ever told. And we, are, we, we give everybody a coloring sheet on their way in with some colors, and you get to color the entire time. And so when uh, I was asked to preach in here on July 19th, I was like, you know, maybe I'll just bring some colors in and some coloring sheets and we can roll with that in here. Um, but I was told that we couldn't trust you people not to color on the pews. And so we're not going to do that. But I was looking at the theme of kind of what was going on this summer, and it seemed to be spiritual mentors, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, those who are important to you and your faith and journey. And, and for some reason, I started thinking about Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy, these, um, Paul, this amazing, huge character. From scripture, this just tremendously important person in advancing the kingdom of heaven. And then you have Timothy. Timothy, as you may know, we, we learn about him in Acts chapter 16. And, and what it says is this, that he's a mumser is the word. And that's not a good word. It's one who was born of a Greek father. He had a Greek father and a Jewish mother. In other words, he was nothing. The Jews didn't want to have anything to do with him because he had a Greek father. And the the Greeks didn't want to have anything to do with him really because he had a Jewish mother. So he was caught in between. Yet something about Timothy stood out. There was something deep inside Timothy that that just rose up. And the people around him in the city of Lystra took notice of Timothy because he had such a great passion for God. And the believers, people who understood who Jesus was took notice. So when Paul comes through on his missionary journey, they're like, hey, Paul, you need to meet this kid. This kid doesn't need to be lost in society because of his father and his mother. Paul agrees and he takes him under his wing. And as he says in this first letter, he's writing to his true son, my true son in faith. From the moment that Paul picks him up in Lystra, what he does is he begins to shape him and begins to teach him. Timothy becomes his disciple, Paul, his rabbi. Paul teaches them everything he knows. He teaches them how to start a church in the different cities that they go to. He teaches them how to care for the people there, even when you're not there. Over and over again, as Timothy is following Paul, he's learning by listening and watching. But now comes the end of Paul's journey. And Paul finds this moment, he's like, okay, 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 I have a few more things I need to say. When I was a fifth grade teacher, I would, at the end of the year, gather all my students in the middle of the floor, and I'd give them my parting shots, Mr. Crocker's parting shots of wisdom before you take on the evils of junior high. And I would just like, everything you need to know, just like, okay, if I didn't teach it to you the rest of the year, here we go, blah. Because I felt this, like, they were my kids, I'd spent all year with them, and 
and they're going off to the big bad junior high and I was worried and I was like trying to get everything I could to throw into them. I do something similar with my own children, although they don't know it yet. Over the years, I've been writing them letters and I keep them in a little wooden box in our bedroom. And periodically at big events, I'll write them a letter and and I'll just tell them something I feel like I need to tell them. And I don't know when I'm going to give them the letters. Corbin probably already knows where they are and has opened them and like, well, this is boring and thrown them away. But there's a need sometimes for fathers and mothers to pass on that information, right? Even if the kids aren't going to listen, you feel this just desire. And so what Paul is doing through these two letters right here is he's, he's like, oh, okay, here, here's what it is. Okay, when you start a church, when you're picking the elders, when you're picking the deacons, do these things. Be careful of false teachers. They're going to be everywhere. And, and he just gives them advice after advice after advice. And he's just throwing all this stuff at them. But he finishes with this. In the second letter, he gives his final greetings, it's called. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. And those living in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed at Corinth and I left Tromphius sick at Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Ebulus sends you greetings, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. May the Lord be with your spirit, and may his grace be with you always. Now, what I see in this last part is a final teaching from Paul to Timothy, although it may not look like it. Because what I see here is a way in which Paul lived his life. Earlier on, it says, hey, when, when you go through uh, Troas, get the, get the coat I left at Carpus's house. He's just dropping all these names. He has such familiarity with everywhere that he's been. When Paul was somewhere, he was there. When Paul was beginning a church in wherever he was, he was there intensely involved in that community. So much so that years later when he's writing letters, he's like, oh, and remember this guy. Oh, and remember this girl. Oh, I love this person. Don't forget to tell them hi for me. Because when he was there, he was there. Wherever he lived, he lived with this intensity that made him known to the people in that community. And that he knew the people of that community as well. I think one of the things that we often do in Christian circles is we become insular and we, we just focus on ourselves. In our society at large, one of the things that we do is when we get home from work, we go inside of our house never to see the light of day again. Especially not our neighbors. How many of us know the neighbors that live on either side of us? How many of us know them really well, have been in their homes, have shared a meal with them? We just don't do that anymore. When I was growing up, um, we lived everywhere. I was born in Houston, but I lived there for three months, so I don't claim it. Although I retain the ability to make fun of it because I was born there. We moved everywhere. We lived all over Texas, the West Coast, the East Coast, the Deep South, Midwest, Mexico. You name it, we've probably been there. Some of my biggest culture shocks were moving from Simsbury, Connecticut, where it was going to yacht clubs with buff and Biffy and stuff, and then going down to Ruston, Louisiana, where it was squirrel fries with Bubba and Bertha, you know? <laughs> and then from Ruston, Louisiana, out to the West Coast, to the San Francisco Bay Area. Yet another culture shock. We lived everywhere. 
But the thing about it was, everywhere we moved, my parents made it very important for us to be involved in the community. Very soon after we landed somewhere, my mother would be involved in the PTO or the PTA or whatever it was called, that place. She'd get involved in the Welcome Wagon Committee. Anybody familiar with the Welcome Wagon Committee? Yeah, it's usually a certain hair color that raises their hand about that. I don't think that, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but my mom would show up into these neighborhoods and she would quickly get involved in the welcome wagon committee and it'd be like two weeks later, we still have boxes everywhere where mom's going to welcome somebody to the neighborhood. Like, you can't come to our house yet because we're still in boxes, but welcome to our neighborhood. She'd find the local organization of the PEO or maybe some of you PEO ladies around here. But one of the things that she did for us kids was she would always find the museums that were closest. She would find whatever theater program was nearby. She would find whatever was historically significant in that area, and she would take us to teach us about where we were living. It was very important for her, for us to know, what made Simsbury, Connecticut, Ruston, Louisiana, Lubbock, Texas, Novi, Michigan important what made it a community what was it about those places that was significant and stood out why was simsbury different from ruston well that was an easy one well or was it what was important what was the lifeblood of those communities and she would invest our time in those places so that we could get to know the community and the people of the community one of the things she always did is she always looked for a bird watching club my mom loved to watch birds. Um, and so she would find these bird watching clubs and pre- periodically drag one of the three of us out with her to look at birds. My father, on the other hand, everywhere we would move, would find out what the hunting regulations were for that local place. And while mom was watching the birds, he would take us to go shoot them. And we would join the local Ducks Unlimited organization, wherever it was, and we would start attending events with them, and we would meet the people who had like minds and and desires to hunt and fish in the different areas of the country where we lived. And we'd learn from them, and we get to teach them the things that we brought from wherever we were. We'd find whatever local minor or major league baseball team was nearby, and we'd go, and we'd spend hours in the bleachers watching games, talking to the people who had been there for years. It was important for my dad for us to know the community that we were living in as well. He had a different lens. We met different people. But for both of them, it was important that where we were, we were. Wherever we lived, we knew people and we were known. Because you can't care for other people if you don't know them, and you can't be cared for if they don't know you. And truly, one of the things that God asked us to do is to go into the world and to love one another. To go into the world and to teach people. How can we go into the world and show people that God loves them if we stay in our homes? Yesterday, I was um, doing some yard work. I'm glad you're all sitting down because that is shocking if you know me. I don't do yard work. My wife does. Uh, I know it's weird. I don't know how she, I don't know how I got that deal, uh, but she loves to do it. And, and so I, w- I was out there doing some weed eating 
And um, I don't know if it was where you were, but where I was yesterday, it was pretty warm. Um, like really warm. And I chose, you know, the best part of the day to do it as the sun is just beating down and making you wish you lived in the mountains. Um, I'm out there and I'm doing some weed eating and I have a little small section left. Um, and, and out walks my neighbor, Mr. Bill. Um, it, his name is Bill. We call him Mr. Bill. And every time I say it, it makes me giggle and think of Saturday Night Live. I hope it does you too. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Bill. Um, that hurts. But he comes over and he goes, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, Mr. Bill, what's going on? And, you know, and I stop what I'm doing and uh, we're in between our two homes. And, and he's standing in the shade of his house. Um, and there's kind of a breeze coming. And I'm standing in the sun, um, just standing right there. And, and, uh, and he proceeds to tell me they had just gone to, gotten back from their trip to Alaska, he and his wife. And, um, and he wanted to share uh, about their trip. And I was like, oh, man, let me hear about it. Uh, and so for 20 minutes, that was, that's 20 minutes for those of you keeping count at home. He told me about their trip to Alaska. He told me about the, the, the Jeep that they rented and the 400 mile road that was not paved and bouncy and bumpy that they had to traverse out to get to this one area. And then when he told his wife, oh, by the way, we have to go back on that same road, you know, and how she was not happy about that. Uh, and, and then he told me about, um, their, their stay in, um, in Denali and, and all these different places. And he kept going on and on um, about their trip. And I'm like, man, that's, that's awesome. I, you know, I've never been to Alaska. I've always, you know, wanted to go. I'm a big, big fan, one of, my, one of the top 50 states for me. Um, you know, it's it right in there with the rest of them. And uh, real excited about it. And, you know, we talked a little bit. I asked him if he did any fishing. And he said no. And, and I'm just sitting there and I have my, you know, my weed eater in my hand still and, um, and sweat it's just pouring down um, from me. I don't know. The beard makes me look handsome. I know that. I, you know, you don't have to tell me that. But it also, it's also warm. Um, it's hot. And it doesn't breathe well. And so I'm just like dying there. I'm wearing a yellow shirt. And the sun is like hitting the shirt. And it's making me glow as if I were the sun. And at some point, Bill goes, oh, you look a little hot. Well... Well, thanks for noticing, Bill. And you see that I have like three seconds and then I'm done. It could be inside. Um, he's like, oh, I should let you go. I was like, no, man. Loved it. I, I loved hearing about your trip. Because the fact of the matter is, that's the most communication I've had with Mr. Bill in quite a while. He leaves from the back of his house. He has, we have an alley and he comes and goes that way and I rarely see him. So if there's a moment for me to stop and to talk to one of my neighbors in a way that helps me get to know him better, absolutely. That's exactly where I need to be. Because I live here. Because this is my community. If I live here, if this is my community and God has placed me here, then I need to do everything I can to find ways to be immersed in this community. I need to be seeking out opportunities. Yesterday, I could have gone down to the bark park to do, uh, have I been to the new dog park in Alma Heights? No, it's pretty fun. You should go. Our Lucy loves it. But there was a time yesterday where you could have gone to help uh, clean it up, do a little uh, yard maintenance, take your stuff down there. It's like, I barely even do my own yard. Like, I'm going to go down there and help you. Um, but what an amazing opportunity it might have been for me to go and show up and to meet some of my neighbors and to meet some of the people that I pass by on the street. 
If you come here on a Monday or a Wednesday, you're not going to find me at the church. If you get lucky, I might be here. But typically, I have another office. It's local coffee down there on Broadway. Here's the thing. I don't even like their coffee. I don't, don't tell them that because they're lovely people. But I, I just, it's like too strong for me. I, I'm a cheap coffee kind of guy. And so I go in there, but I sit in there on Mondays and Wednesdays. When I started doing this, the amount of people that I saw from our community, both our church and just our community at large, who know me as pastor, was so amazingly high. When I sit up here in my office, you know who I see? Donna. And look, I love me some Donna Streeb, and I have learned a ton from Donna. Donna and I share a birthday. Y'all didn't know that, did you? Donna and I are birthday twins, and I have learned so much from Donna, and I love listening to her pray, and I have learned so much about the Holy Spirit and all those things. But guess what? I can see Donna anytime. Donna doesn't need to see me. She doesn't learn anything from me. Maybe a couple of jokes here and there, but that's about it. Can you imagine if Donna got up here one day and started telling jokes? Wouldn't that be awesome? Hi, Donna. (laughs) Or I see Leah Jane, or I see Daryl Smith, or I see the staff. That's great and wonderful, and I love the staff. I love the people I work with, but come on. I need to be in the community. If you find yourself in these little spots where all you see are the very same people day after day after day after day, a very small thing, and you're missing the community around you, do you think you'd be able to write a letter to somebody and say, oh, say hi to that guy. Oh, man, and remember that. Oh, tell her about this. I remember this story one time with her. Oh, it was so awesome. Tell my neighbor, Mr. Bill. Oh, tell Gordon and Janice who live across the other way. Tell the Jacobsons who live across the street from us right there that I remember them fondly. If we're not planning ourselves in our community, we're missing, I think, the biggest lesson that Paul gave Timothy. Where you are, be there. The community that you live in, that you are called to be a light of Christ in, be there. When's the last time that you sat out on your front lawn, front porch, in the evening? When's the last time that you made it a point to go out when it started getting cooler, you know, like 9.30, 10 o'clock? And you said, you know what, I'm going to come sit out on my front porch because people are starting to walk their dogs right now. And people are going by right now. And I'm going to do this crazy thing. I'm going to sit on my front yard and I'm going to, I'm going to tell them hi. Hey, neighbor. They'll probably look at you funny like, what do you want? Are you talking to me? I have mace. But what would it be like if we all began to live our lives in our front yards again? If we all began to live in our front yards again so that when people pass by, oh man, I know that guy. He lives on the next block over there. Oh, I know this person. And they begin to know you. The thing about it is, a guy like Mr. Bill is never going to sit on my front porch and go, hey, Michael, talk to me about theology. No, it's just not in his wheelhouse. But he knows if I care. He knows if I'm available to him if he needs something. He knows if when he goes out of town and needs somebody to water his flowers, that the Jacobsons across the street are really good at it because the Crockers aren't. 
but he knows that I'll be there. What would it be like if we all decided, okay, yes, this is the place where I live. This is the place where God has called me. What would it be like if we all decided to get to know this community? To really get to know this community. What makes it tick? Who are those characters that you have to know? Like Debbie Chesney, right? You got to know Debbie Chesney. If you don't know Debbie Chesney, please see me after the service and I'm going to introduce you to Debbie Chesney. And your life will never be the same and you will both hate me and love me at the same time. (laughs) Who are the people that you need to know? Because they have the story of this community. Because whether you like it or not, whether you agree to this or not, you're now a part of this story. This, the story of this community cannot be written without you. And you're such a huge part of it. Because you know something a lot of people don't. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ walked on this earth. That he gave his life. That he conquered death. And said, one day I'm coming back to get you. In the meantime... Love my Father God and love one another. Amen.